Hi everyone, this is Anna, and you're listening to my podcast on Heaven and Hell. Welcome, welcome everyone to the podcast. So thankful to have you back with me today, and I'm excited to talk to you about a few more prophecies from the Old Testament that point to Jesus in the New Testament. This is something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, how we need the whole entire Bible to understand the work that Jesus did on the cross and the work that he's still doing today in the church. We need the Old and the New Testament to understand all of that. There's no part of the Bible that's more important than the other. We need it all. And that's a message that I preach to myself all the time. But um, the last time we talked about just one or two, uh, we talked about the book of Genesis, a few um, scriptures in the book of Genesis and how they point to Jesus in the New Testament. And today I want to, I've got, let's see on my notes, I have four different prophecies that I want to talk to you guys about. It's going to be really good. We're getting into some books that you may have never read before, or maybe you read them and you didn't understand, which would have been my case a few years ago. Um, it's going to be fun. I, I wanted to talk to you guys first, though, about that word prophecy, because I don't know, it's almost a scary word in the modern church. I remember when I was in college, we um, made a friend, my, I say we, my sister Rebecca and I were in college at the same time and we were roommates. And we got invited to this service at this church in Bowling Green. We went to uh, Western Kentucky University and we uh, had this acquaintance. She invited us to the service and she said, you got to come. The prophet is going to be there. And I was like, what in the world? And I'm just the kind of person like I just went to um, see what was going on. <laughs> like I was just nosy. That's uh, that's my confession there is that I'm actually just, I'm nosy. And I just went because no one had ever invited me to a service where there was going to be not a prophet, but the prophet was going to be there. So we went and it was a service where this is why people um, don't want to go to church. <laughs> if I'm just being honest, because it was a service where we went and there was this man and I with all the respect in my heart. Um, I don't remember who he was either, so I'm not trying to put anyone on blast. This is not someone that I know. I don't even remember his name, but um, he got up there. I don't think he didn't preach. He just like pointed people out in the service and told them things that the Lord had given them, given him for them. And they liked it. Everyone responded really well. But um, even as someone who had been in church my whole entire life, and I don't wouldn't say I'd ever done anything too terribly bad, I was sitting there in the pew like, please, God, don't let him say my name. <laughs> Just because I didn't want my business put on blast in front of the whole church. And um, this is where this is just, it's a really hard thing because there are people who fall on both sides of the line here of how, if that is appropriate or not for church. And so 
I want to um, look at what the Bible says about prophecy. There is a difference between, mm, let me just read what the Bible says, and then we'll come back to what uh, I want to say. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you guys have, there's a scripture in the Bible, and it's where Paul says, um, this is Paul saying this, not the Lord. I need to look up that scripture reference because I quote it all the time because there's sometimes that I want to say, this is Anna saying this and not the Lord. But let's look at what the Bible says about prophecy. Let's clear some things up for just this small group of listeners that I have. Let's clear it up for us. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 14. And I'm, re- I'm going to read, the Bible says a lot about prophecy, about prophets in a lot of different places. But I want to read these scriptures to you because um, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church. He's not writing to one specific person. He's writing to the church that meets at Corinth. And what was happening in the Corinthian church is that they had, it was out of order. They had people acting crazy up in there. Like they were just wilding out. Um, and they were doing whatever they wanted when they came to church and whoever wanted to say something was saying something and they were saying whatever they wanted to say and they were speaking in tongues on top of each other, you know, loudly. And there was, there were women there who were not submitting to authority and who were, um, speaking out of turn. There were men there who were speaking out of turn, all of these things. And so Paul is writing to correct them. And so, in saying that, we have something really valuable in the book of 1 Corinthians in that Paul gives us these directions for what an orderly church service should look like and what should be important when we come together. And the modern church, we don't get it right. We don't get it right a lot of the time. And we could talk about this for days. I feel like I say that in every podcast about every subject. I could talk about it forever, but I'm trying to keep these under 20 minutes for you guys. So let's just take a look at what he says about prophecy here. And I want to read, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'll start with verse 1. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now I explained to you what was going on in the Corinthian church because it's very important in this context. A lot of people will use this scripture to say that speaking in tongues is not for everyone. And that's not true. Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is great. It's great when you're praying and when you're talking to the Lord, it says that the one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, builds himself up because that is between you and the Lord. It's awesome. It's great. There you have it. Paul said it. What he's talking about is in church. Someone who stands up and speaks in tongues in front of the whole church, it's not helping anyone except for that person unless it gets interpreted. Um, 
and I'm, you know, I've been in church where I've heard it all. And speaking in, I'm not saying don't speak in tongues at church. I'm saying if you do, do it where only you and God can hear it, unless someone's going to interpret it. Okay, sorry, getting off my soapbox there. <laughs> but he does say about prophecy, and he gives us a great definition of prophecy here. He says that the person who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So when you go to church and you have, uh, in my case, the experience that I had when I was in college that the prophet was there and then he was like calling out people and blah, 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 doing all that. I wouldn't say that that's prophecy as it was meant to be used in the modern day church. Prophecy should build up the church, should uplift the church. And um, it gets confusing because in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, we see men of God who were prophets. And the same definition applies when we look at the prophets of old, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, um, Amos, Micah, Zechariah. They were prophets who were called by God to speak a word to his people, the children of Israel. And the Bible actually tells us that there were hundreds or if not thousands of prophets. We just don't have books from all of them. We don't have writings from all of them. We just have writings from a few. Even, um, was it Elijah who felt all alone and went and hid in the cave? And the Lord told him, like, there are, there's hundreds of other prophets over here. You're just feeling alone right now in this situation. And, um, so we have prof the prophets of old. And even when Jesus came, there were people who thought he's a prophet. He Look, the Lord has raised up another prophet for us. And um, because the prophets in the Old Testament, they would work miracles. God would use them to work miracles. But they always had a word. And sometimes it wasn't always good either. Sometimes it was a word of warning. But it was to build up God's people to um, speak. That's what he used to speak to God's people. He used the prophets. And a lot of times they did tell what would happen for the church in the future. And that's great. And I, I believe God is still calling prophets and God is still calling us to prophesy. Paul actually says he wants all of us to prophesy. And that means he wants us to build each other up in the church. He wants us to encourage each other, to have a word that would lift each other up. And I also believe that God has, there is a future for the church of God and that um, he has called people to know about it and to be able to speak to that. Let's get back to what we were supposed to be talking about. How there were um, prophets in the Old Testament who spoke about um, the Messiah who was to come. And so when we say that they were prophesying, they were telling about something. This is the cool thing. And this is how it's going to all tie together. They were telling about something that was coming in the future. When they spoke, they were speaking about... Um, the coming Messiah, they were giving this word and it was like a future word. They were telling about something that was going to be happening in the future, but they didn't know it because the word that they had was also to encourage and uplift the children of Israel at that time. And so I think that's 
um, where we can get in trouble with prophesying in the modern church because sometimes we think sometimes we're just at danger in of being fortune tellers and not actually working in prophecy we so when we are working in the gift of prophecy we have a word that's going to encourage someone for today that's going to sustain them and then if something happens in the future that's the lord confirming what he said through that person and that's what he did for the old testament prophets so let's look at some examples of some things that they said that would have been encouraging to the people of Israel, the children of Israel at that time, but also now we can look back and see that it pointed to Jesus. Okay, well, let's look at some scripture. The first scripture I want to read is Isaiah 53. This is a very popular passage of scripture. The whole book of Isaiah, he speaks um, to the coming Messiah and or speaks of the coming Messiah There are so many different areas, so many verses we could pull out here, but I just want to pull out chapter 53 because I think there's some really obvious points here um, that we can take away from this. Chapter 53, verse 1, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth." By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. I know I just read that whole chapter, but once I started, I couldn't stop. It's so beautiful. And I just want to point out a few verses that are just really obvious that it points to Jesus. It says that like a lamb is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shearers is silent. 
so he opened not his mouth. And that's something that we see in Jesus as he was taken to the cross, that he didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to say anything to get out of it. He was silent. It says that he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. It says that, it says many times that he, he bears our iniquities, that he bears our sins. He makes intercession for the transgressors. Verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected. And I think this is a really interesting point to make is that it's written in past tense, like it's already happened, but it speaks to what Jesus does on the cross. And this is just how powerful our God is, that he speaks past tense, victory to things that have not yet happened because he exists outside of time. And in the end, he wins. He is our victorious savior. And so no matter what we're walking through, he's already conquered it. He's already come out victorious. And so he's the only one who can do that, who can speak a past tense victory to something that is yet to happen. This is a beautiful chapter in scripture. It's echoed in by Zechariah. And so I want to read a few scriptures from that book as well. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, um, the heading in the Bible that I'm using actually says, The Lord will give salvation. And then um, the next heading above verse 10 says, Him who they have pierced. And Isaiah mentioned that as well, that he would be pierced. Um, I want to read chapter 12, verse 7. It says, And the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah. I wanted to read that scripture because two um, episodes ago, or whenever the last episode was that we talked about this, I used a scripture from Genesis that talked about how the Messiah, how the king would come from the house of Judah. And Zechariah um, confirms this as well. I also want to read verse 10 from chapter 12. It says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadad Ramon in the plain of Megiddo. I don't know if I said any of that right. The land shall mourn each family by itself. Um, it's talking about the house of David. And so, but I wanted to point that out. It says, um, when they look on me, this is God speaking through Zechariah, says, when they look on me, whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. Super interesting. In chapter 13, on that day, verse 1, there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. Makes me think of that hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood where forgiveness flows. There is a fountain full of grace for us. It was opened on the day that Jesus died on the cross. Let me read one more from the prophets. Micah. I want to go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, 
From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Oh my goodness, that's just so beautiful. And not only do we get a prophecy here about how the Savior is going to come from Bethlehem, but look what he says. This tells me so much about our God. And this is my... Bible study tip number one that I always mention is to look for Jesus. Look for what, not just look for Jesus as in like the prophecy, but look for what it tells us about him. Look for what it tells us about our God. Verse two, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, he takes the least, he takes the smallest, and he makes them great. He gives them honor. That just speaks so much to the kind of God we serve. And so let's, I had one more scripture, but let's just stop it with this one right here because I I just feel the Lord's presence and I feel like he wants to say that to somebody today, that if you're feeling small and you're feeling weak, he came for you. He came for you too. And the work that he did on the cross, the work that he did at Calvary, his resurrection, it was for you too. He confirmed it in his word that he came for the least of these. And I love that about our God. And I love you guys, all of you who are listening. Thank you for hanging in there with me. And it's my desire that we could all know God for who he really is and for who he has revealed himself to be in his word and that we could live a life that reflects who he wants us to be. So I hope that as you read, um, as you listen to these podcasts, but as you read on your own and as you're getting to know God more and more, that you're you're beginning to see who you are in Him as well. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. To wrap this thing up, I want you to repeat after me. Say, I am a Bible reader. I can understand God's Word, and I will be changed by what I learn. Hey guys, you're going to change so much more than just your own life. By understanding God's Word, you're going to change your family, your community, and this world. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you again soon.